This is Hitting the Mark, conversations with founders and investors about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success, with your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Garhalter. Welcome to episode 23 of Hitting the Mark. This is also the beginning of three back-to-back episodes featuring female founders. The only exception will be a very special episode that I will sneak in between, which will mark the one-year anniversary of this very show. All three of these upcoming guests succeeded in an industry with many curveballs that is hard to make it in, the food industry. And out of sheer coincidence, two of these founders happen to be Brazilian women taking the U.S. food market by storm. We kick it off today with Raquel Tavares, the founder and CEO of Forth and Heart, an artisanal food brand based in Los Angeles, set on a mission to modernize ancient pantry food staples, starting with a line of grass-fed, flavored, pure spreadable butters known as ghee. Raquel, a devout Ashtanga yogini, snowboarder, lover of all things food, was born in Brazil and later migrated at age six to Northern California with her mother and brother in the early 80s. She currently lives in LA with her family and is a mother of two young boys. She is the principal creator of Tava Organics, the parent company of Forth and Heart, which also happens to currently be the fourth fastest growing food and beverage company in the country. She prides herself on the ability to tackle family, work, self, and play. She wants to milk each minute of each day. And that being said, I'll make the most of each minute while I have her on the show. Welcome to Hitting the Mark, Raquel. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I rarely have locals on the show. So, so this is fun. My company actually started out of a garage in Venice Beach on Rose Avenue, which I believe is also your stomping ground. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we don't even know each other. So I read about you in Forbes, I believe. But ever since I reached out, you also made it onto the Inc. 5000 list on number 70 with a three-year growth rate of 4,279%. So first off, Congratulations on your tremendous success. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're, you're one of those few startups that must have found it so much harder to launch since you're not only introducing your brand, but you also had to educate a fair amount of your potential customers about ghee, what it is, its benefits. So please share the power of ghee with our listeners. What is it? What makes it so good and what makes it so good for you? Well, you know, when I when I was thinking of what I wanted to do, um, you know, it eventually came to me. And what I thought of ghee, uh, what I thought ghee could do is basically do what coconut oil has done as an ingredient, meaning, you know, all of a sudden coconut oil went from being, you know, something that we put topically on our skin. And then all of a sudden you see it as an ingredient in chocolate. Then people are popping popcorn with coconut oil and then came MCT oil. So, um, so on and so forth. And then of course it went into beauty as well. Um, so I loved ghee because it's shelf stable and, uh, lactose free and dairy free. And I really just thought of it as a shelf stable butter, which is what it is. And some of the other benefits, uh, the health benefits 
are that it's easier for your body to digest because it doesn't have the lactose and the dairy. It has a unique fatty acid in it called butyrate, which is something that's found in the lining of your gut and helps your body to assimilate nutrients. And, you know, over time, what happens is people eat a lot of processed foods and that that starts to kind of deteriorate in the lining of your gut. And therefore, this replaces that. And, um, you know, really, I just call it the golden ingredient, the gift that keeps on giving really <laughs> yeah we're we're actually using it at home it's um it's it's a very it's a very smart choice but but how much education about ghee did you have to include in your launch did you did you launch locally here in la where you know obviously the thirst for well-being is pretty unquenchable or how, how did it all start off yeah so i started drafting the business plan in 2012 um, and it really took a while to get through the iterations of the different flavors that I wanted to do. Eventually in 2014 is when I sold it for the first time at the Echo Park Craft Fair. Um, and it was in Christmas. Uh, and that was the first time I had it in front of consumers was I was able to hear what they had to say about it. And it's always important to see it live because you know, if it's authentic right. and then at that, that weekend we sold about $3,000 in ghee, which oh my God. <laughs> was so much, so much money at the time. And it really blew my mind. So yeah. that really kind of gave me a, the beginning a feeling I had a proof of concept. Uh, so then after that, I sold it into different stores in Los Angeles. So yes, I launched it locally initially, selling everything myself. And then it was in you know later in 2015 where we got our first distribution, uh, national distribution. And when you sold it yourself, was it just basically in charts and just you know hand labeled or like laser printed? <laughs> how, did you, how did you sell it? I mean, it must have been very, very low key at that point, right? No, actually, no, it wasn't. Um, if you know me, I, I don't like to take anything for granted when it comes to aesthetic. There you go. <laughs> it pretty much holds true. And you know, if you come to my home, um, everything is merchandised, effectively. Okay. So same thing with the product. I really wanted to bring forth something that would be marketable at a grocery store level because I did not intend on selling it at farmers markets. I intended to go directly to buyers because I feel I felt buyers of grocery stores would know if that if it had legs to stand on. So it was branded and in the jar the same jar that it is today. And they were Italian jars that I sourced beautiful packaging. Um, it, it was a different variation of the packaging, but nonetheless it was still beautiful um, under the brand name Tava, which was the first brand name, but I had to change it to Fourth and Heart after getting a cease and desist. Ah, I was curious about that. Is that how it happened? Okay, interesting. Yes. Very yes. interesting. Well, that's that's a curveball you didn't necessarily expect. No, not at all. But you know, the branding was so important because ghee, it does have the education curve. So when you have that beautiful packaging and branding, at the very least, it piques the curiosity and it increases the odds of someone wanting to try something as what can seem like a very obscure ingredient. So that was just so important to have beautiful packaging. 
And it's interesting because even when you were still, uh, you know, working under the Tava brand name, your packaging already won awards. I saw it on Die Line, you know, um, which is a, which is a pretty big, you know, packaging design, um, you know, website. Um, so you were you were very, as you said, you're very very design focused. But then with Fourth and Heart, you you also did a complete redesign of the, of, of the entire branding, right? Yeah, I did. Uh, originally, when I first founded the company at my yoga studio, there was a young guy that I met there, and we started talking about packaging. He was starting a beverage company. He then said, you know, that he really loved this agency in Boulder, Colorado, called Moxie Sozo, and I called them, and they were out of my price range at the time. But I made a note, and I said, okay, we'll go back to that. So. When I got the cease and desist, we had just done a small friends and family round and I was able to afford a rebrand. So at that point, I thought, you know, let's take advantage of the situation rather than fight a cease and desist and create something even better than we have now that would be even more marketable to the masses. So that's how Fourth and Heart came to life. I see. And... Let me read some of your brand's uh, copy on your website. Fourth and heart is an ode to the heart chakra. It's the intersection where most of us get stuck. We think through everything and we rarely feel our way through it. Our intellect gets in the way. I find the most lasting decisions are hard choices, not hard choices. Fourth and Heart hopes to inspire others through the passion we put into our product and to inspire heart decisions, not hard decisions. We move forward with bold intention and with your hearts and our hearts in mind. We want what we put into our product to move you, motivate you, inspire you. So the brand name is rooted, um, I suppose, in Hindu yogic and Shakta and Buddhist tantric traditions. You also ran a successful yoga studio, as you mentioned, which, which you sold in 2008. Was the yogi tribe also your first audience? And was it kind of inspirational to, to, to a lot of not only, not only the, the, you know, the language that you use and the name, but also you know, some of the design aspects of your brand? Yeah, I think it just comes natural to me that I think that way because I've done yoga for such a long time. I've been practicing yoga for, you know, going on 25 years now. And so it's kind of in my veins, in my bones, if you will. Yeah. Um, so it, not, it wasn't that the yoga community was my first audience, really. It was just that the art and science of yoga is kind of part of my fabric and therefore it just spills over into the brand because the brand is very much a part of me and you know i effectively i wrote that copy for the website so. oh great that's yeah. awesome i love to yeah. hear that yeah yeah i'm a writer i love writing too as well um so i thrive on writing and i thrive on creating and it just so happens i i'm lucky enough to be able to put all of my favorite things to do in into fourth and heart And you have a marketing background, correct? I do. Yeah, I will. I, I was a, market, a director of marketing at a telecom company way back, well, way back now in San Francisco. And I ran a partner marketing department there. Which, which doesn't sound quite as inspiring as a uh, fourth and heart. <laughs> so. It was a great, amazing job, actually. I loved my team but, and uh, gave me a good amount of flexibility. So it was great. But oh, no, good. of course, fourth and heart is... Uh, 
for sure my passion and uh, one of those things that I'm fortunate to be obsessed with because they say you have to be obsessed with what you do in order to really be able to do it well in every day. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, I have a lot of respect and admiration for people who actually quit their careers. And, you know, you were, you were at, a, at, a, at a good point in your career, um, but, but you quit it to launch a brand. And, and, you know, then especially, you know, I have a lot of respect for those who actually go into retail and then even more so who are not afraid to deal with the FDA and go into food and beverage, which is really, really difficult. But On top of it, you're, you're a woman, you're, you're a mom to two boys. You recently, though, closed a successful Series C round, raising 7.6 million. How do you do it? Like, your, your brand has health and self-care at its heart, no pun intended, but do you sometimes feel overwhelmed by it all and suffer some minor anxiety attacks like so many founders do? Or do you have a trick? <laughs> do you have a trick on how you balance mind and body while running your brand and your life and, and I guess the life of two others, right? I wish I had a trick that was a one-size-fits-all. <laughs> yes, that's what we need. That's what everyone needs. I wish there was an answer for that. Um, I absolutely have bouts of anxiety and it is definitely one of the hardest things I've ever done. I'd say it's as hard as being a parent, <laughs> it's, mm. you know, because it's something you create. So it's, it's, it's um, and the, like an emotional piece of your person, but at the same time, you have to be able to run it like a business right. and uh, you can't, you can't, you, you have to actually be able to remove yourself out of that um, attachment, so to speak. But I would say the way I handle stress and anxiety and balance everything is with a lot of help. <laughs> so <laughs> like I have people helping me at home. I have people helping me in the office. It's not a one woman show by any means. Um, so I would say it's me leaning on people and, um, listening to people sometimes taking advice, sometimes not taking advice. <laughs> and it's usually, it, it comes in waves. It'll be full throttle running a thousand miles. And then, you know, I always say it's like you're running through the forest and then boom, you hit a tree and then you have to sit down and probably just take a beat and then get back to it. Because sometimes there's like a lull and it's calm and everything's going well. And in those times, you, I have to sit down and really appreciate those times because I know the other, you know, uphill is just just around the corner. There's a lot of unforeseen in food. So it's important to have that downtime where you really meditate and do yoga and take care of yourself. It's, I would say that's the foundation of being able to deal with a, you know, accompanying anxiety. Absolutely, and it's and it's beautiful that it's part of your entire brand messaging, right? So even if you even even when you work, you can kind of you know be reminded by by those thoughts. Um, one of those beautiful quotes you have on your website, which which you didn't write, it's uh, it's um, by Eckhart Tolle, who I'm who I'm also a, a fan of myself. Um, he said, "Life isn't as serious as the mind makes it out to be," and I think that's. That's kind of a nice uh, summary of, of what we of what we just talked about. Um, your your tagline is "Fuel Happy." Um, how did how did it come about? I mean, obviously, it sounds like most probably you came up with it, but but how did it come about? What what made it the the guiding light for the brand? Fuel Happy. <laughs> Full disclosure: I did not come up with it. Yay! <laughs> Perfect. My brand agency actually did come up with it, um, but it was definitely a team effort and a lot of brainstorming. 
involved. But I liked it because it was really just about, I always believe food should be first fuel for your body. Mm -hmm. And that basically what you put in is what you get out. And effectively, you know, pardon the cliche, you are what you eat. (laughs) It's true. Um, So I, I felt like that embodied all of that messaging, which I find to be very true. And it's great. It's it's punny, right? The idea of feel happy, feel happy, and there's there's a lot in there in two words. And you know, as a, as a as a brand strategist, I can I can appreciate how much you can get out of two words. It's it's, it's really <laughs> not, great. Yeah, not not easy to do, right? We we have to appreciate that work. That's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, talking about one or two one or two words. Um, <laughs> I, I I know you knew that this is coming because I usually warn my guests of this one, but. What is what is one word or two words that can describe your brand? I call it the brand DNA. So Evelyne would be transparency. For Sappos, it would be customer service. Or Tony Shai would call it most probably happiness. What would be what would fourth and hearts one word or two words be that could actually describe the brand in its entirety? I guess at this current stage where the brand is now, it would be wanderlust. Huh. Or wonder or wonderer, um, you know, because the brand, we really want the brand to evoke a sense of, you know, curiosity and following your bliss. Um, but who's to say where the brand will go? Right, right. But I like that. I think that's really interesting. And I, I think it's interesting because, A, you know, the way that the company is currently, the brand is expanding into, into a lot of different, you know, uh, you know sub-products. And, you know, I, I saw a lot more products on the website yesterday than I did a couple months ago. Um, and I also like that idea of you actually having to be someone with an open mind to, to try those type of products and actually exchange some kitchen staples you know for 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 something totally new um it's a it's a great it's a great brand mantra and, and i agree it doesn't need to stick around forever right um what was what was that big breakthrough moment you know obviously we talked about when you tried out your product at um you know at, at basically at the market which you didn't really you didn't really try it out as in like here here it is in a, in a self-made char but you already had it designed it was ready you just needed to get feedback yeah. but what was that one big breakthrough moment where you, where you just figured you know what this is this is turning into a real thing into a real brand into a major player when when was that moment where you just you know patted yourself on the back and said you know what i think i just made it now <laughs> you know? well i don't know that i feel like i've just made it because i feel like if i embody the feeling of making it then it will potentially trigger something you know it's like, um, you know, if you repeat something over and over again, or if you tell something to someone that something has happened, that the you, you start to think it did happen, and then you won't make it happen. I don't know. It's like this weird theory. So, yeah, yeah. But there was a moment where I thought, I, I feel like this <clears throat> has legs. And it was probably after 2000 and our full year of revenue in 2016. And we were in all Whole Foods. Um, so I feel like after we completed a full year of revenue, yeah. and I knew that the product kept moving, um, that's when I knew that it had legs. But I, I, I always like to feel that there's so much more to grow into than that the sky is the possibility for the brand. 
So it's kind of like, a t- I think of it in two ways. Um, but sometimes I have to actually remind myself to, to, to think of, you know, how much we've done and where we, where we've gone and, um, how incredible it is because sometimes you get lost in the, in the weeds of the work day. So it's important to sit down and remind yourself of the accomplishments. Absolutely. Sometimes you should listen to the intro that I say on the podcast, for instance, (laughs) and actually let it sink in rather than, oh, that's the staple. That's always like that. I mean, you know, seven seven million, you know, dollar funding, you're in Whole Foods, you're in all kinds of stores, you know, it's, 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 it's remarkable. And it's it's especially remarkable while you still, you know, have, have two boys and, you know, there's, there's a lot going on. So I, I, I'm, 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 I'm very, very impressed. And, you know, food and beverage founders that I talk to, when they know, when, when they get through the Whole Foods, you know, challenge, basically, and when they see that after a couple of months at Whole Foods that it's actually picking up and people are, you know, repeat customers, that's pretty much it. So it sounded like it's it's a lot. It's, you know, that, that was very, very much how it was with you as well. Um, what does branding mean to you? It means a lot, I know. <laughs> but what does it mean to you? Well, it means identity. It means communication, um, education, there's so much that, you know, inspiration, uh, effectively with our brand, that's what I want to do is the, you know, to inspire, to educate, to, you know, build the brand identity and so people can also identify back with the brand. Um, and form a connection with the brand as well. Um, and I feel like we've accomplished that so far uh, with the existing group of consumers that we have and fans and family and all of that. Um, the, the next phase is, you know, going into not, you know, away from the low hanging fruit, so to speak. But I feel like we still have a lot of work to do with our existing community as well. Um, so, yeah. I would say the brand means those four pillars, educate, inspire, communicate, and build identity. I love that. And and how how do you how do you engage with your tribe, so to speak? I know I know you're doing you're doing recipe videos, which are you know like unscripted, fun, you know, quirky, and and I know you're extremely active in on on Instagram. What what are some ways where you feel like there's a really good dialogue going on between you and the people who actually you know appreciate your product? I would say social media would be number one. I will go in myself typically on weekends and just start responding to people, corresponding with people there. And I'll just usually let them know that it's me. (laughs) Uh, If it's me uh, speaking. So I would say there, um, sometimes I'll go to live speaking engagements uh, at the consumer trade shows as well. I'm communicating often with the consumer and I would say those would probably be, probably be the three times and then you know if it's just an external dialogue wherein i'm just speaking it's typically on podcasts right i see that <laughs> i hear that <laughs> so we have we, we we um we do do videos as well it's just that we paused last year a little bit on the marketing front because we had to focus a bit internally however next year will be 
picking that up again. And my goal is to create potentially an IGTV show where I'm doing interviews myself, short interviews, you know, with some of our investors or fans or influencers, something that would just be quarterly, you know, to keep it manageable, but we're going to be, you know, kicking that, kicking that off next year, early next year. That's fantastic. That's that's really cool. What, um, what is what is a piece of brand advice if you if you have if you have anything like on top of your mind for for founders that might be following your footsteps that might go into you know a, you know a category like food and beverage um, or you know just brand advice for for any founder um, as as a takeaway. What what have you learned in the last in the last years of of making making your brand into a reality? So advice that I would give to new new entrepreneurs, I would say that if you're creative and you you have a feeling that you know what you want, that I would be very authentic in the in your voice and and go with your intuition and try to get the message across of what you want to see with a really great professional who can design what you have in your mind and put it on paper. I often actually just sketch it and and then I give it to a designer to, you know, to bring to life. Um, and then if you can also, if you can afford it, I would recommend doing a small consumer study to understand what messaging is important to the consumer or to see on the front of the packaging, the back of the packaging. If not, it's not that important. You can probably Google it. Um, and then if you're not, if you're a finance operational type, I would find a, you know, the, your favorite brands out there and pull them all together and figure out who did their design and go to that agency and tell them what you like and what you don't like and, you know, get your vision through that way. So I feel like it really depends on what kind of founder you are and, you know, lean into that where you can and get support where you need it. Great advice. When you talked about consumer studies, do you actually hire a company to do consumer studies? Or is it something where you basically just say, you know, like you, you go out there and you just interview people? Um, no, we do. We, we, we have it's, a, it's kind of like a hybrid situation. But yes, we have done consumer studies now that, you know, we have more at stake. So and now we're really curious as to what the consumers are thinking. For sure. So, um, you know, for example, on we have a chocolate spread called Chocti, right? And on the packaging, I wanted it to be a hybrid between adult-like and child-like. Um, but at the same time, I didn't really think about how is the consumer going to use this? What, how are they going to see it? You know, is it going to be a family? Is it going to be a single person? And, you know, what we found now after we, after the fact is that (laughs) probably should have done something more fun and bright and white, you know, and, um, there was probably some hiccups that I, that I could have, you know, solved for if I didn't just go with my own wish (laughs) for the past Right. right. So that's kind of an example where I could have probably used some more, you know, pragmatic research in the design of the chalk team, but we were still pretty young when that came to life. Um, so, you know, it's just kind of growing pains, but if you can hit it on the front end, that's what I would say, you know, um, to do, even if it's just like your own, you know, 
12 of your best friends in a room with 10 good questions, um, you know, that could totally. be Yeah, if you have to bootstrap it, bootstrap it. But if you yeah. can afford it, the more information you can get up front, the more success you will have quickly. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Where can where can me myself and I find that uh, the chocolate spread and and more important where can our listeners find your products? Well, you can find everything in Sprouts. Okay, Foods has all of our products as well. Um, Kroger, Galsons, and Wegmans. If you're in the East Coast, uh, Publix, and then Amazon. Of course, Amazon has everything. Perfect. Very good. Excellent. Well, thank you, Raquel, for making the time to swing by the show. I, I really appreciate your thoughts on branding and marketing and the entrepreneurial advice that you shared with my listeners. Well, thank you so much. I'm honored and flattered to be here and um, love what you've done as well. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. And and thanks to everyone for listening. Head on over to patreon.com slash hitting the mark to show your support, just like Florian Philippe of Los Angeles, who joined this community on the Brandster level, and Devroni Liaisoy Lumandan from Malaysia for upgrading to the co-brander level. Join the group and learn about the many perks you receive when supporting the show at patreon.com slash hitting the mark. This podcast is currently brought to you by Finian, a brand consultancy creating strategic, verbal, and visual brand clarity. You can learn more at Finian and also dive into an assortment of my brand insights while you're there. The Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by Happiness One. I will see you next time when we once again will be hitting the mark. Hitting the mark.